I love the book of Psalms. It's the middle book of the Bible. Matter of fact, it has the middle verse of the Bible in it, Psalm 118.8, which says it's, it's a better to trust in the Lord than it is to put confidence in man. That's a good middle verse of the Bible, isn't it? And the, the book of Psalms is a psalm book. I'm kind of partial to music, you know. And, and I think Psalms is 150 songs. The word Psalter actually has the idea of melody. So David wrote this book. God put it in the middle of his word, I think, for a purpose. And it's a prayer and praise manual that has God as its focus. You know, David, David was a real man, right? Now, he was a tough guy, like, like we heard last Sunday. But he had, he had some oppositions. He had some ups and downs in life. And he made mistakes like everybody else. But, you know, he always had his focus upon God. And that's why I like the book of Psalms, because even though it's Jewish in nature, it's appropriate for us as well. We're, we're not Jews. Uh, there may be something I don't, I don't know about that, but I, I tell you what, we are the family of God and we are the people of God. And so the book of Psalms applies to us as much as it does to the Jewish people to whom it was written. Uh, Schofield says in his notes, he says it like this, the Psalms, though Jewish in nature, are spiritually true in Christian experience in the sense that they disclose the mind of God and the exercises of his heart toward those who are perplexed, afflicted, and cast down. Have you ever used the book of Psalms in your devotions? Probably all of us have. have in the book of Proverbs, which is a good guide for life as well. Have you ever been comforted by Psalms? Have you ever been maybe even convicted by Psalms? Have you ever been encouraged? You know, has God spoken to you through the book of Psalms and, and kind of pushed you forward in your Christian experience? That's what, what Psalms really does. So tonight, I'm going to use Psalm 103, uh, which is, and I'm going to title the message tonight, Bless the Lord. Now, you choir members, you know where this came from, right? Because we just did that song, Bless the Lord. And you know, some of those songs that we do, and I'd say the majority of them, they get in your heart and mind and you, you just can't, I mean, they go with you. I've always been of the opinion that the music that we do at Eastland Baptist Church ought to be not just for Sunday, but it ought to go with us on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. So when I'm out here in the real world, so to speak, that, that that music, the lyrics of those songs and just those melodies that those lyrics were set to can can minister to my spirit as I face the things that I face on a daily basis. And God always does that through music. He really does. So we're going to read the entire 103rd Psalm. I want you to stand with me real quickly. And then I'm going to very quickly get through three points tonight and we'll be done. Psalm 103, and I'm going to start with verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. 
He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Let's bow for just a moment in prayer. Father, we thank you tonight for your word and thank you for the opportunity we have to open it. And, and I pray, Lord, that you might encourage us through it. Thank you that you are our Father, our Heavenly Father, and you desire the very best for us. And we want to bless you tonight. We want to lift our hearts to you and thank you for all the benefits that you give us on a daily basis. Lord, many times those things that we don't even recognize. And I pray you to accomplish your purpose in our time together tonight, we ask in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. You know, really, uh, we think about blessing. We think about we get the blessing, right? We're the blessees. We know that God gives us things uh, just out of his abundance, and he provides for us. And we'll talk about some of those things tonight. But we can bless the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean like when he blesses me, I'm helped and I'm encouraged, and I'm made better off. That can't be true of God. I can't make God better off. I can't add anything to His being. I can't make Him any greater than He is. But when I bless Him, it's just an expression of my praise and my, my gratitude and, and my, just my affirmation of my love for Him. And that's what blessing the Lord really is. The object, of course, of this blessing that we're doing is the Lord Himself. And He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's over all, over all of His creation. Matter of fact, we're the work of His hands. We're the sheep of His pasture. We're His people. And He's, he's always, we always think of God as being up. He, heaven is up. And His throne is up. And we always think about Him as being up. But you know, the source of our blessing, the blessing that we do, it's not just with our body. It's not just physical but what the, what the psalmist says here in verse 2, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Well, let's go to verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. All that is within me. Hey, this blessing of the Lord comes from our heart, comes from our spirit. And sometimes I think we catch ourselves getting ritualistic in what we do, maybe even in our praise. And I guarantee you, and, and you know, God knows our hearts when we come in here. And I sit up here in the choir, and I, I guess I probably shouldn't do this, but I notice people who don't sing. 
or kind of looking around, counting ceiling tiles or something, you know what I'm saying? Because I think their, their focus is not on what we're trying to accomplish in that part of our service. So it's, it's from within. This blessing of the Lord, we want to conduct it with all the passion and the sincerity that we possess as best we can. We should never come in and, and half-heartedly think, say that we're lifting our hearts to the Lord, but in the back of our minds, there's something that's keeping us from giving ourselves totally to Him. What's the focus of this blessing? Well, I think it says it right there in verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all its benefits. You know, some guy said, he said, my forgetter works great, but my rememberer needs a tune-up. And that's true, isn't it? Sometimes we just take so much for granted that God does for us. We just, sometimes I guess I get an attitude that I deserve what he's given to me when I really should be thinking, Lord, you're just, just gracious to me and giving me what I have. And, and if I have that kind of attitude toward the Lord, then I think if I can remember his benefits and even rehearse those things in my heart and mind, not just on Sunday, but during the week when I'm going about my, my time around other people, that, that exercise within me can help me to have a better impression and impact upon the folks that I meet. You know, uh, someone said you can tell a smug person by looking at his mug. This is his mug, right? Well, that's true. And I think if we reflect upon God and His goodness to us and, and own what He has done personally for us, then it changes our demeanor around other people, even the unsaved world. It, it can make an impact on them that maybe otherwise we might not have. So there's 22 verses in this song. Guess what? We're not going to go through all those verse by verse. Praise the Lord tonight, right? <laughs> because my wife is sitting over here and I know what would happen to me when I got home. Anyway. But we're going to talk, I'd like to, to put these, these benefits into three different, maybe folders that the, all the verses would fit into. And let's just think about some things tonight that are benefits. You know, we're concerned about benefits, aren't we? A guy takes a new job, he applies for the job, he's concerned about the benefits that go with being employed by that particular co company. As we've got older, we're talking about Social Security benefits, we're very concerned about our benefits. We take insurance policies out and we're wondering what kind of benefits, what kind of coverage is that gonna be for me personally and my family, the needs that I have in an insurance way. So we are concerned about benefits, but we can never ever make an exhaustive list of all the benefits that God gives to us. You know, um, the scripture says, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are above our ways, and that's true. We can never grasp, we'll never be able this side of eternity to grasp the grandeur and the, the power and the majesty of the God that we have the privilege of knowing personally. So the number one, if, there's going to be three P's tonight. If you don't like P's, well, that's too bad. Anyway, number one is peace. He says, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Amen. You know, the first is the peace with God. Hey, we were, before we were saved, we were enemies of God. You know, we may have other enemies in life that are just men. Can you imagine being an enemy of God, the God of the universe? And that's where I was without Christ. But, and I couldn't do anything about it. But he chose 
in eternity past to make a plan that I could be brought back into fellowship with him. And that was accomplished through the cross. That wasn't just an event in history. That was a transaction that was made between God and sin. He separated. He took away. He made it possible for me to get back into fellowship with him. It was like I was all by myself. I was the enemy of God. And he brought me back into his fellowship through the, through the death of his son on the cross. Several verses, wish we had time to read them all tonight, but the scripture says, as far as the east is from the west, that's down in verse number 12, I think, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And then Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 says, well, verse 1, it says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. So the enmity, that word enmity, which has the idea of being an enemy, is done away with because of what Jesus did on the cross. And that's where we put our confidence tonight. We, we come into God's family by putting our confidence and, and everything that we have onto the fact that Jesus Christ took our sin upon himself on the cross. And we trust him personally as, as our Savior, then he takes care of that. And we have peace with God. We have forgiveness. We're back into fellowship with God. Uh, even though I was an enemy before, he made me his child. Thank God for that. I am so excited about the fact that I have peace with God. But there's another kind of peace. There's the peace of God. Not everybody has the peace of God. There may be somebody sitting here tonight who's there. You have a turmoil going on in your heart and life. There may be some big challenge that you're facing. There might be something that's really getting to you as far as your emotional life is concerned. But we can have the peace of God as well. How much does the scripture talk about that over and over and over? Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. So if we want perfect peace, we keep our mind upon him. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. So if we can keep our uh, wavelength in tune with his, get on the right channel with him, then we can have peace in life. You know, Jesus said it, so, so plainly in John 14, he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Those words are in red in my Bible, so I know who said them. So that's, that's the one that's given us our peace. That's who our peace comes from. And then, of course, we know in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, and the third one that's listed, love, joy, and peace. We can have peace within that can shore us up against the wicked world that we live in. You know, the world's, I think, idea of peace is it's a time for nations to reload. That's about right, isn't it? I mean, the world is always in, in confrontation with one another. And men are, are back and forth at each other. But we need this, we have to have this inner peace that comes only from God so that we can keep our sanity in the world that we live in. Hey, there's another thing about us having that peace is it can be, it can make an impression on other people. 
if we don't get rattled by every little thing that comes our way, if we can just keep on keeping on, you know, just keep on plodding, though we're bothered, I mean, it's, it's not wrong for us to be bothered, concerned about things, but not fall apart like the average person out in the world does. That, that's a good testimony to people around us. So that's peace. Number two is provision. We would certainly think about that one. Look in verse three. He says, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. Hey, he provides for us in life, doesn't he? Not just the physical things. I, don't, I haven't noticed anybody in our church that looks like they're going hungry. Most of us, uh, I think we're robust, right? We can say that. But he does take care of our daily sustenance. Jesus, and remember in the Sermon on the Mount, he said three times, he says, take no thought. Take no thought for three things. Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, or what you shall put on, or even for your life. So what he's saying, he didn't say, don't, don't be concerned, just don't go through case sarah, sarah, but say, don't take that on as a burden to be worried about, because I'm your, I'm your heavenly father, I'm gonna take care of that. He says, I am the one that'll give you provision one day at a time. You know, I, I love the old song, it says day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here, trusting in my father's wise bestowment, I have no cause for worry or for fear. And there's two of the verses that are, are great that go along that line that remind me that one day at a time, God's going to take care of me. And that's what the psalmist is saying. I bless the Lord. I'm, I'm thanking God because I recognize that he's the one that's my provider. He takes care of me. And, uh, you know, we work real hard to amass whatever we can get things, you know, and sometimes things can be our, our greatest enemy. If we can just be great, grateful for what God gives to us, take it from his hand and, and then give him thanks for it and have an attitude that shows that we appreciate what he's done for us. It does so much for us. I have a picture in my man cave at home. There's a guy standing in a, in a stream, you know, beautiful scenery around fly fishing. And on the bottom of that picture, it says, uh, trust in the living God who giveth us all things richly to enjoy. You know, uh, I, I've had some hard times in my life, and you have too. I didn't enjoy it 17 years ago and, and five bypass heart surgery. That was a, but that was an experience I learned something from. But you know, God has given me and our family, and I, you think about it tonight, what God's given to you more than you ever thought you would ever have in this life. And, and I think God wants us to reflect upon that and give him the glory and the credit for what, just so we understand we didn't get it by our own strength, our own goodness. And you know, he says, uh, he redeems my life from destruction. I take that to mean that God can, can save me from a wasted life. I'd say to the, to the young people tonight, don't just, don't just be a Christian as a, as a name, 
but be a Christian as a person. Don't, don't waste your life running after things that, that honestly will never give you any true fulfillment in life. Because if you want a rich life, then you just put God and His work first and He'll, He'll supply that for you. He'll give it to you. So it's sad to say that the culture we live in, there's a lot of wasted lives out there. People that are just much to do about nothing. And they have no purpose and they have, they have no productivity in their life that gives any honor to the God that created them. But here's the last thing. And man, this is the thing that, so he gives us peace. And I'm going to bless the Lord because I have peace with God and have the peace of God. Sometimes there's little ripples. You know, somebody said we're never always emotionally straight across, right? We're up and we're down and it's like a roller coaster at Six Flags or something. But the reason we need to be together as much as we can is because if I'm down here, somebody else might be up here and they can encourage me in my faith. So we should never look at ourselves as someone who's not important to the, to the progress and the quality of the whole thing that we have here as a church. But here's the last, the last P, preparation. God's prepared some things for me in eternity. I can't even imagine. Hey, it says there in verse 19, it says, The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom ruleth over all. So, you know, this is just, I use this often at a funeral. I guess it's bad to use tonight. But this is the dressing room. Hey, the real, real life is, is ahead of us. Now, my eternal life actually began November 22nd, 1963, when I, I got saved as a 16-year-old teenager. But that, that's when eternal life began for me because I was born anew. I got, a, I got a new spirit. I got a new life in Christ. I was placed into Christ. But, you know, if we look at the beach, I love, the, I love to go to the beach in Maine. You know, you have your shoes off and you get sand between your toes, you know, and you take one of those little grains of sand out from between your toes and then look around at all those other grains there and then think about all the beaches of the world. This is one drop and the rest of it is eternity. This is life and that's eternity. So, hey, we've got a lot more, we've got a lot more ahead of us than we can even fathom. Somebody said, uh, you know, investments. Well, you're in it for the long haul. I said, well, some of our hauls aren't as long as they used to be. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? Hey, uh, our, our days are numbered. The psalmist said, my times are in thy hands. And you know, caskets come in all sizes. So even though we might be a younger person here than 75, as some of us are, we have to remember life is uncertain. And God knows what's ahead of us. And he has, he has the love for us and the ability to take care of us for eternity. So I like this thought, the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens. Heaven, the heavens we think about as beyond us, right? And eternity is something that we can't even fathom. You know, in John 14, we, this is real common scripture. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then he says, I go, why? I go to prepare a place for you. 
that where I am, there you may be also. And if I go, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So he's been building on that mansion for us for 2,000 years at least. It's got to be some kind of place. I always am reminded of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. He said, I have not seen, neither ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. You know, we can't even imagine what heaven's like. We, we all have our thoughts of heaven. I get questions once in a while, well, will we know each other in heaven? And one, one guy said, are there going to be any dogs in heaven? You know, they got some real important questions about heaven. And, and a lot we don't know. But just imagine when we get there, we may spend a million years just seeing everything that's there. Who knows? But, but it's such a blessing that God's prepared that for us. You know, when, when Jesus prayed the Lord's Prayer, not the model prayer, but the Lord's Prayer, part of His prayer was, I will, talking to the Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. That was a prayer of Jesus to the Father. I think the Father's going to answer his prayer. He prayed, he prayed, Father, those that you've given to me, said, I want them to be with me where I am, you know, that they can behold my glory. They're in that other part of our existence. And I think God's going to answer that prayer for His Son. So I think heaven is a done deal. I know it is for us who know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. There's no one that can take, us, take that away from us. I love Adrian Rogers. I don't know what you do. And I guess I'm, I'm not advertising for him tonight, but I love to listen to him because I, I think he's a preacher's preacher in my, in my regards. But he says... He gives a definition of heaven, and this is what he says. He says, heaven is all that the loving heart of God can conceive and the omnipotent hand of God can prepare. You think about that? Heaven is all that the loving heart of God can conceive. How much could that be? How far out there could that be? Well, the mind of God, way beyond us, isn't it? I, I would think that God can can imagine things and create things for his people that he loves so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for, that he makes it a place that's so special. We can never imagine or fathom what lies ahead for us who know Christ is our Savior. You know, I'm a beneficiary of all these benefits we've mentioned tonight. And if you know Christ, you are too. You have peace with God because of what Jesus did on the cross. You can have the peace of God because all we have to do is just rest in Him, keep our mind, our focus upon Him. Try not to let the things of the world taint us or get into our head so that it destroys our relationship with the Father and the fellowship that we have with Him. And then He provides for us. And not only that, but He's preparing something for us that's way beyond our wildest imagination. You know, here's the thing. If I'll bless the Lord more consistently and more passionately, and that means uh, I don't have to go around and be weird or anything like that. 
I'm just saying that from my heart, I, I keep in my heart and mind the fact, and I know that Jesus loves me and he is giving me everything that comes my direction. And he's given me the grace even to handle those things that come across my plate that I don't plan on. Then I, I think it's gonna increase the effectiveness of the testimony that I might have outside the walls of this church. And that should be my goal, shouldn't it? You know, John Piper wrote a little book. It's about that big, about that thick. And it's called The Dangerous Duty of Delight. Kind of a strange title, isn't it? But he talks about how we glorify God. And here's kind of the premise of the book. He said, God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in Him. Hey, what gives... What gives you satisfaction in life tonight? What, what gives you the greatest sense of fulfillment? Is it, is it maybe the checkbook that we have, or is it the car that we drive? Boy, that can't be mine, but I'm saying, is it the car you, or is it, is it things that you have amassed? Or are you just satisfied in your relationship to God through His Son? And if we're going to glorify God, glorify has the idea of giving credence or giving weight to. We say, well, how can we give God more, more weight? Well, we glorify Him by Him being seen in us when we're out and about because of our attitude. People can, can sense that there's something different about us than the average guy on the street. If we love God and we're satisfied in what He's doing in our life, and we take, as it were, everything in life from His hand, then He's going to, to make sure that we can, we can live in accordance to His will. I, had a, I have the lyrics to a song I'm going to read. I had three, but I'm just going to read one. And you guys know this song, I know. To God be the glory, my tribute. Andrea Crouch did this song, I think it was 1970-something. I said I had been young and now I'm old, so that's where I, I got this. But he says, how can I say thanks for the things you've done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you gave to prove your love for me. The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe it all to thee. To God be the glory to God be the glory, to God be the glory for the things He has done. With His blood He has saved me, with His power He has raised me. To God be the glory for the things He has done. And then it has a little addition here. Oh, just let me live my life. Let it be pleasing, Lord, to Thee. And if I gain any praise, let it go to Calvary. With His blood, He saved me. With His power, He has raised me. To God be the glory for the things He has done. So you know, if, if that can be, if that could be the attitude of heart and, and the demeanor that we put on around other people, then it, it can really, it could increase uh, our impact on the lives that we're around. Also, it could help me in my fellowship and my relationship to the Lord. If I'm always trying to get my heart and mind on what He's done for me in the past, 
You see that that peace, that provision of peace with God, that was done in the past. The provision is done in this life and the preparations for the future. So it's past, present, and future. He's got all of our life, all of our total existence in his hands. And he knows what's best for us. And he wants to use us to bring honor and glory unto him. So that ought to be our, our heart and prayer. That ought to be our goal in life as we leave this place tonight and people that we meet uh, as we go about our day tomorrow. Let's, let's stand together tonight. We're going to have a word of prayer and be dismissed.